Welcome to the Health Fix Podcast, where health junkies get their weekly fix of tips, tools, and techniques to have limitless energy, sharp minds, and fit physiques for life. On this episode of the Health Fix Podcast, I'm interviewing Hannah Powley again. And Hannah's a kinesiologist, a fascial stretch therapist, master level Reiki practitioner, breath worker, and a fitness coach. Now, she likes to combine all of her learned techniques to really create a unique way of working with her clients. And today we're going to be talking about how she uses fascial stretch therapy in her practice, but also what it's all about. Like, what is fascia? Why do we want to pay attention to it? And how does it like to hold on to our emotions? All right, let's get you into the podcast. Ah, health junkies, here we are with another episode of the Health Fix Podcast, and I have Hannah Powley back on because we are going to be talking about probably one of of the areas that I think is way overlooked in, in the medical world, but also for its value in just helping us to release trauma in the body. So we're going to be talking about fascial work today, and we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of it, and I'm going to even share a little personal story of an aha moment that I had with it. So Hannah, welcome back to the Health Fix Podcast. Thanks, Janine. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm really happy to speak on this topic. It's so close to my heart, so really excited. My two, literally, and we'll get to that here in a second, Mm. but... but, (laughs) Fascial tissue, for those of you guys who are, who are just joining in and wondering, like, what in the heck does this have to do with anything? It's a wrapping around our body, and it can get really stuck. And, and some folks will say sticky, and some folks will say that you can break apart fascial tissue. And I hate that word because I don't, one, you're not breaking any tissue, and two, that's not it's the whole wrong approach. So, Hannah, we were just talking about this in terms of gentle and and seeming like at first, sometimes it feels like you're not doing anything and people are like, what in the world are you doing with my body here? So let's talk a little bit about your fascial tissue training, how you were drawn to it, and then we'll get into some details. Yeah, I I initially came across fascia when I was uh, a personal trainer about six years ago. Um, and I was working with an amputee. Mm-hmm. He had been uh, crushed in an, a heavy operating accident and he had a steering wheel in his stomach and ended up losing his leg. Um, and there was lots and lots happening there in terms of um, sensitivities and um, blood flow and and that type of thing. And I found that my lens that I was working from in terms of just strength training was kind of limiting in working with him. So I decided to take the stretch to win fascial stretch therapy certification. And that was, um, yeah, about six years ago now. Um, and that certification, that training completely changed the trajectory of my life, um, without really realizing it, um, you know, in terms of, the lens that I could start to see people's bodies through. So I started um, implementing that as best I could in the big box gym setting Mm -hmm. um, as much as it was tolerated, you know, in that demographic demographic of people. Um, Typically I I started working on outside of my personal clients. um, I started having bodybuilders book in for sessions with me um, because there is such a relationship between um, posture and fascia. Fascia is the container for mm-hmm. our posture. So bodybuilders that were doing um, competitions and had to really hold those um, perfect positions for a long period of time would come and see me for fascial work um, for their competitions. And that was kind of a cool space to be in for a while. Um, And then I started to lean a bit more towards the rehabilitation space Um, with my background in kinesiology. And then now this understanding of fascia, it was um, cool to combine my fascial work with strengthening. So I found myself working a lot with people that had maybe just had like a fusion in their lower back or um, big birth trauma um, you know, that kind of thing where they needed a combination of um, working the fascial system, opening things up and also strengthening as well because they complement each other in such a beautiful way. So that's kind of what got me into fascial work. And now um, 
I'm still in the same space, um, doing a little bit more body work than I am um, training. Um, but now I do, I do complement the fascial work with certain clients with an at-home strengthening program. So it's a a fun way that I've integrated um, both of them together. I like that. I like that because I mean, ultimately, the fascial work has to do with how we move and how we get set in certain patterns. And I think I have somewhat of a good explanation in turn or not a demo for for folks. And and we can talk through this one step at a time. Like some years ago, but I was thinking four or five years ago, I was doing a lot of CrossFit. I was doing a lot of clean and jerks and a lot of snatches. And I started to notice that my left shoulder wanted to turn in on itself all the time. And so I would do pec stretches and I would do lat stretches and I would do like the smashing. And then we did the banding things like the blood flow restriction stuff and all that but nothing seemed to really get rid of it. Hmm. What might you think underneath all that <laughs> is bound up, which, which ends up being, of course, right, the fascial tissue. And so we were talking a little bit before we jumped on about that particular area. And, and we can get into that in a minute. But I think for folks who are listening, they may be like, yeah, I do the mobility work. Yeah, I do certain things, but I don't feel like it ever fully releases. Would you say that that has to do with the the fascial work, kind of the fascial tissue getting just still gunked up and not gliding like it should? Yeah, there are so many things coming up for me here that we can dive into. I think the first thing is to, um, I'd love to invite, you know, everyone listening to maybe be able to hold a perspective that is not um, singular. So a nuanced perspective on things right so Mm -hmm. perhaps it's not just um, muscular or it's just fascial Um, there are so many connections that happen when we find ourselves in a space of pain Mm -hmm. and chronic tension Um, there are so many things happening so it's so hard to you know pinpoint one thing and I think that um, idea And letting go of, you know, not being able to pinpoint can be quite hard for some people when we live in a world that um, is very like symptomatic and tunnel vision type of approach. So I think the first thing is being able to hold um, or be open to the idea that there are so many little connections happening and really what the job is, what our job is um, as practitioners and also our job as being people in a human body is to be able to be open to all of those um, messages that are coming through. And specifically with fascia, I mean, um, fascia wraps around, wraps everything in our body, like you said. So it wraps our nerves, it wraps our organs, it wraps our muscles. Um, So when we have um, constriction or restriction or adhesion in that fascia, that is going to directly affect every single tissue in our body. So um, blood flow is going to be affected. Lymph flow is going to be affected. Um, posture is going to be affected. So it, it, it does make sense, you know, as someone like yourself that has explored quite a few different techniques and the problem is still presenting, um, that fascia could definitely definitely be one of those roots as well as um you know I'd be curious about what your emotional climate looked like um a couple years ago when that pattern started to present itself in your body yeah so interestingly enough you know folks we're talking about the left side of my shoulder right so your heart's right there and in Chinese medicine wise that's the heart channel acupuncture um area and it's also the pericardium which is kind of that sac that the heart sits in that channel comes across into the area that I have pain and yes about that time and I I think I'm kind of even at five or six years I'm probably almost right about five and a half six years if I think about it like harder. And, and that was right when my, when I owned a spa in Tacoma and I was switching from that business to going to out on my own. And it was kind of like that transition. And so I'm thinking I've got some loss. I've got some trauma about 
my relationship with the partner that I had in that business. And, and we had a lot, you know, there's a lot that went down. So I'm like, okay, I can see some, some stuff there for sure. Yeah. That's so important to be able to reflect on. And one of the questions that I ask for sure, um, when I'm beginning to work with someone and also like childhood as well, Mm -hmm. um, I think childhood is an important thing to, um, reflect on when it comes to, you know, you mentioned like a, a traumatic or a, um, sensitive, stressful season of life, um, I think all of these things are so important to be able to hold and make space for. And when you think about it, when you reflect on that time, um, what our body really requires and what on a cellular level our fascia requires is space. And there's a really beautiful um, reflection in that in terms of, you know, when fascial tension started in our body when we started to develop that like body armor maybe in that left shoulder what we weren't getting was space right Mm -hmm. what what we require to have um a functioning fascial system is is space in in all of the areas so um there's a really beautiful kind of mirror there in terms of maybe you know where in your life were you not receiving space whether it was that like relationship with your um business partner or it was um the stress of navigating those changes um there's a really cool reflection back and forth there between the body and the emotions and um those patterns can definitely show up as that like armoring of the body Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, I I think about the armoring and I go, you know, there's some other even connections and maybe even folks can tie this into as well. Shoulder pain and hip pain, because we have this crisscross of tissue that wraps us kind of like in an X in the, you know, like right shoulder to left hip and then the, the left shoulder to the right hip. And I also have right SI joint issues that are chronic. So what kind of things might you be able to say about that? Yeah, I love that you're bringing that up. I think it's um, a lens that not many people look through. And I think that's really important. And the way I like to think about it, the analogy I like to use with my clients is if you think of your fascia like a, um, you see a big spider web on a tree or you see a big spider web in the corner of your house. And um, if you just poke that spider web, the whole spider web moves and shakes. And if you pull one side of the spider web, the whole spider web will move with it. And that's a really great metaphor to understand the fascial system. Um, If we are restricted in our right SI joint, that's absolutely going to pull on the left shoulder um, and all of these other small spaces where that fascial system is connected. Um, There's a really great video online if you just... um, go onto YouTube and search what is fascia. There's, it's one of the first mm-hmm. videos that pops up and it's this man standing in a, a fascial skin bodysuit. <laughs> and there's a woman describing fascia and what she's doing is she's pulling on his bodysuit in different places and showing that like relationship between all of the fascia. So like I said, it's so important to be able to understand that all of these things work as one. Um, and you know, our left shoulder is not separate from our right hip. Yeah. Yeah. They're absolutely connected in that way. And I think, you know, a lot of people maybe start, have started to connect that, but the, the, the fascial tissue is really something that I think is a mystery still in terms of like, when I've gone to, or, or not, not myself, but let's put this, when I've recommended folks to have fascial work done, they're like, it seemed like nothing was happening. They were just like pulling taffy on me. And I was like, exactly. It's it's like that. Can you describe a little bit of like what a session looks like for folks so they can kind of get a little sense of like, okay, what the heck? If, we, if we're opening up left shoulder and right hip, what might that look like in terms of what you might do? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I definitely have heard that description before. Mm-hmm. that you just mentioned about like, oh, it doesn't really feel like they're doing very much. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And one of the biggest things with fascial work is um, one of our biggest principles is to stay within the window of tolerance, Mm -hmm. which may be a little bit different than, you know, that deep tissue massage that you receive when you're breathing really heavy and you're kind of (laughs) tensing up more. Um, But it's kind of good, but you're tense. Um, it's going to look very different than, you know, that type of experience because we stay within the window of tolerance. And what the window of tolerance is, is um, what space can we explore where the nervous system can stay in a somewhat regulated state? So um, in my training, they really, one of the, the biggest teachings was how to feel and respond to the tissue. So Um, really being able to feel like, okay, is there jumpiness starting to happen here? Okay, maybe we back off a little bit. Or is there armoring happening? Maybe we back off a little bit. So to answer your question in terms of how I would go about that, um, whether no matter what symptoms are presenting for um, new clients that come to see me, Uh, whether it's, you know, one shoulder or whether it's neck tension or plantar fasciitis, um, I will never start by addressing that specific area. Um, Mm -hmm. The reason being is related to this window of tolerance. We want to really be able to build safety within the body. And no matter what um, symptoms someone's coming in with, I will always start with a full body session. So we will... Um, start to open up a little bit of each area of the body in a very staying, you know, kind of surface level um, and really integrating the breath. Um, Most of our society, you know, forgets to breathe a lot of the time. So having someone come lay down and tune in and get into the breath to create that safety and space within the body um, and then moving through the entire body and kind of using that as my first assessment. Um, I've never really been one to do, I don't really enjoy the whole dynamic of, you know, having someone come in and then me telling them what's wrong with them for 20 minutes. And then we move into the session. Um, I really use that first session as kind of an assessment, especially because, you know, the, a big part of the practice is feeling and responding to the tissue. So um, if I was looking at someone like yourself, um, I would start there. Um, I would also probably spend a little bit more time on the the opposite side of the body to um, create that mirroring of safety. So, um, you know, maybe I would start with the right shoulder or I would start with the left hip so that we can create um, that, that feeling of regulation and safety and openness so that when we go to those problematic areas, you've already had that experience on the other side. That makes sense. And the, and the fact that you bring up the safety component, I think is really, really huge because I'm in the camp lately of being really convinced that most of us have issues. I can tie back most issues in life to the stress of not feeling safe. I really can. And if I look at it and across the spectrum, it could be IBS, not feeling safe, gut feelings. And I know there's a ton of of fascial work that we could do for the abdomen alone. We had just talked about moms and, and, you know, post baby kind of stuff, but also just that whole sense of safety because the heart and the breast area, this is a sensitive area in Chinese medicine, you know, even in my practice to this day, I'm not going to go right after someone's armpit or breast points my first time I meet them because we can unlock a whole bunch of emotions. So tell us a little bit about that safety component and and why the, the, the fascial tissue has so much to do with safety and the nerves that are in there and all that stuff. Give us, give us the breakdown there. Yeah, I think safety really starts, you know, before the session even begins. Mm -hmm. Um, Within my intake form, I really ask uh, questions that have, that kind of set the scene, you know, in terms of, you know, what this is going to look like is um, I'm going to ask you some questions that 
um, have you reflecting a little bit on things just outside of those physical symptoms so that um, me receiving that information before we even get into the session, um, the client understands that that's, you know, kind of what this container of um, work will look like. And when they arrive, you know, I greet them at the door and I am excited to see them and I make eye contact and I bring them up to the space and I talk about the space and I talk about, um, you know, what the session is going to look like. I think so much of safety starts um, before we actually get onto the table. Um, And as a practitioner, making sure that I am safe, (laughs) um, I am safe in my own body. I am grounded. I'm taking care of myself and, um, you know, all those types of things that go into um, the way that we relate to each other um, and the way that the client feels when they're around me. In addition to that, um, safety within the fascia, um, like I said, it's taking things uh, layer by layer, you know, not trying to, like you said, with the heart line, like you're not just going to go straight into the heart line on someone's first session, because that can open up a whole can of worms that, um, not that you can't, you know, hold space for that, but that's not necessarily what your intention is. So, um, for me, it's like the breath is the biggest thing with creating that, that space of safety. Um, especially because like I said, we, we forget to breathe, um, a lot of the time. And like I said, as well, fascia requires space. So, um, a lot of people are coming in to see me with a lack of space, um, whether that be in their lives or in their bodies, um, and really being able to set the tone, um, to create space, um, within the mind and within the body, um, yeah, it really, it, it's funny because I feel like I'm answering things in the in a similar kind of way um, because that, like, the set and the setting is just so crucial for our bodies Absolutely. to be able to open. Yeah. Absolutely, because most of us have been stuck in certain patterns for a long time. And, and mm-hmm. whether you've had little traumas or big traumas or multiple, you know, littles, or multiple bigs kind of built together, your, your body is a sensing being. And it's kind of like that, that feeling, like those of you who are listening, if you went in to go get massage and that person that, that was touching you, it just didn't feel right. It's because their energy's off and your energy is like, I don't want this. It's almost like when you go, you dread to go get a deep tissue massage because that, that pressure is just too much. And like, you have the ability to tell people to lighten up. But I think there's still this like, but I need it to be deeper to get an effect. Let's talk about that for a second, because Mm. a lot of us are in that camp of like, must hurt, must be deep, Mm. must be like this to get an effect. But that isn't necessarily what's going to tell our nerve, that's going to allow our nervous system to relax. Because so many times I've been in a massage and I feel like I left tighter than I went in. And I think a lot of people tell me, not I think, I know, a lot of people will tell me this. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that phenomenon. Yeah, attachment to the outcome, mm-hmm. right? Like um, I'm attached to this specific outcome because I've received, you know, these messages from wherever all around me that um, I think it kind of goes back to that conversation we had um, in our previous podcast about that, like go hard or go home. Mm -hmm. mentality and when it Mm -hmm. comes to the body and it comes to um body armor and years of patterns of tension um the go hard or go home strategy does not um doesn't work here Mm -hmm. um you know when we're starting to unravel the tissue we're unraveling so many other things um outside of just the physical tissue Um, and you mentioned, you know, like patterns, years of patterns, um, regarding stress and, um, holding, you know, holding things in the, the body and the brain work together, you know, in terms of moving and relieving stress when we experience emotional 
stress, we have kind of two ways of, of relieving that one is chemical processing through the brain. And then the other is to um, move that tension or store that tension into the body. So when we're unraveling um, the fascia, we need to be careful with that go, go hard or go home approach, because we can be opening up, like you said, a whole can of worms. Um, Perhaps maybe it's um, unprocessed grief or unprocessed anger or, um, you know, those types of things that we're storing within our bodies. So it's important to, you know, be able to move in and out of, those approaches and what feels right. And um, I think when we're talking about the muscular system, that's very different. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I think a lot of people right now might be thinking like, how can we store things in our tissue? Like, how does that really work? Cause I've had people question it me quite a bit. And, and of course mm-hmm. I go back to the fight or flight nervous system and, and the little fibers that are in the, the mm-hmm. fascial tissue, but I would love for you to, share with us about what you say to people when when people ask you what is happening why how can this even be possible that I'm storing my trauma in my body yeah for sure there's a couple different ways that um we can go about this one of them is the way that we present our posture um Mm. so there's there's a direct relationship between our emotions and our temperature and our posture. Um, you know, if we're experiencing, I mean, we could even do this right now, Janine, like we could, <laughs> we could close our eyes and take a breath and we could, um, you know, tune into the feeling of gratitude and just notice, you know, how our bodies respond. For me, my heart feels more open. My head feels like it's getting taller. Um, I'm feeling my feet on the ground. And if I tune into the feeling of anger, I immediately felt my shoulders lift mm-hmm. and come forward. And I'm immediately feeling most of my awareness is in the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just a quick, simple practice like that can um, show you that there is a relationship between those emotions that we feel and the way our body responds. That's a really great example. Um, And, you know, for example, let's take grief again, Um, an emotion or a feeling of grief. If it's not given space, it has to go somewhere. Um, And if we're not, especially if we're sedentary, if we don't move, very often we aren't really giving our bodies the opportunity to move and release that energy. Um, And that brings me to, you know, we could even look at this from a scientific perspective, the amygdala in the brain, which is responsible for the fear response. Mm. Um, the The amygdala for us operates a lot of what we do in this society that we live in, you know, take even for example just having a hard conversation with your loved one with your partner um you you start your breathing starts to get rapid your chest starts to get tight that that amygdala in the brain is responsible for um that fear response so if we do certain movements like um for example walking we are able to move some of those feelings and some of that um, chemical processing from the amygdala into the brain cortex, where we're able to actually chemically process these emotions and stresses. Um, So movement is a really big piece of this. If you are not moving your body and you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't really understand. It's, it's likely because you um, aren't experiencing that feeling of, you know, processing things through movement um and that example you know walking it's called bilateral cross call cross crawl which is um really effective for that brain processing so it could be cross-country skiing or it could be doing dead bugs on the floor or it could be doing um it could be running it could be be crawling um 
those types of movements are really helpful. And that's kind of the more scientific lens that we could look through. Oh, I, you know me, I love the geeking out and especially on the cross country in cross, cross country skiing, one of my favorite things, but just the cross country mm-hmm. of the body as a mm-hmm. whole, super mm-hmm. cool stuff. So geeking out a little bit more, I want to talk about the abdomen because so many women, I believe, hold stuff there. Like if it's not constipation, because I find that like there has to be more to constipation than just functional stuff, especially as we get older, because I feel like we hold and lock down, just like you were saying, not feeling safe. And then the whole bloating thing too, because I have done so many different gut repair protocols, so many different like bug kill protocols with all kinds of herbs to the point where it's just like some people do not get results after multiple things. And I'm like, it has to be tissue related and like safety related. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much we could speak to on this. Um, I agree with you. I I was one of those people that tried um, all of the different approaches in terms of, you know, like purchasing this product, using this herb, using this adaptogenic um, supplement. And the biggest thing that I needed to do, I personally um, had a I experienced a trauma that was related to my pelvic area and my abdomen. And for me, it was um, really making space to feel those feelings as scary as they were and make space for those parts of myself, those voices that got really loud from that experience um, and also to create safety within my body. So um you know we talked about on our last podcast like slower flow like movement and um and that sort of thing so um I have my own experience you know with what you mentioned and um trying all of those different like more functional approaches but them not really working and spending so much money and kind of um feeling really defeated until I really made space for those parts of myself that were connected to that experience. And, you know, you don't have to have like a big traumatic experience for this Mm -hmm. to be true for you. If you're listening, this could be true for you. Even if you have sucked in your stomach, your whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, my, my mom taught me when I was a kid to suck in my stomach. And I feel like that, like she was just trying to, you know, teach you to be a lady, you know, but it it did. I, I feel I even get like below my rib cage. Sometimes I'll get spasms there where like I go to get out of a chair and it's like, whoa, whoa, like literally have to like flop myself onto like an ottoman or like my stability ball and like open it up. And, and I think that's common for a lot of women. I know I'm not alone on that. And, and like, as you explained too, like it's, I think this is a woman thing. I really do think it's a chick thing. I mean, I think guys do too, but I think for women in particular, we do stuff a lot down. Yeah. I mean, if we can go there, I think a lot of that influence is that patriarchal influence. And when I say patriarchal, what I mean is, um, feel it the feeling of um being repressed in certain ways you know whether it's our sexuality or it's um the way that we try to control our weight to fit a certain marketing ad that likely probably if you follow it all the way up was not initiated by women (laughs) um you know and and all of these things that we do to please men or to act a certain way um, I think, I think my personal belief and my personal experience has been like unraveling some of that, you know, as a woman, like, where did I start to form these patterns? Where did they come from? Um, mm-hmm. Like making myself small or holding in my stomach or um, controlling my weight or being nice. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, those types of things. And um, 
with what you mentioned about like having to lay over a BOSU ball and open up that area for some, that can be quite scary. Cause I think when we um, feel like, for example, a spasm, if we're not familiar with our bodies and we're not familiar with like the wisdom of our bodies and how to respond to those symptoms, we just freeze and we create more and more tension. So we come more and more into that protective position and, Um, what I see as well with a lot of women on my table, um, is most, if not all of the women I work with have more front body tension Mm -hmm. and most of the men that I work with tend to have more back body tension, which is a really interesting pattern that I've been seeing because if you think about it, um, There's, you know, the idea of safety with the front body, being seen, um, protecting ourselves. I think those patterns can really show up for women in the society that we live in and um, the way that we grew up, you know, like you mentioned with um, even though our mothers did everything they could with their education and experience, Um, I think a lot of that influence of maybe telling you to suck in your stomach when you're a kid wasn't wasn't your mom's influence right it came from somewhere else so it's a really Mm -hmm. interesting um, topic to get into for sure yeah yeah I mean gosh you know if you think back like the corsets and all this I mean even back to like the Mm -hmm. 1500s of women like tying themselves in these dresses and stuff I mean it is like Mm -hmm. this is a long-standing issue would you say would you say Janine that um in your practice digestive issues present more in women than in men or is it equal I would say equal but different presentations women Mm. it's it's lower like it's large intestine it's intestine intestines guys tend to have more of the burpee stomach and the ulcers and that kind of stuff not saying that women don't but but as a whole if i took like the the percentages it's more deeper gut stuff in the women and the guys have more like stomach or hemorrhoid there's like two ends like they take the two ends we just take the whole middle it seems like if I, if I break it down, like, of course there's exceptions, but really if I look at it as a whole, women are more intestinally jacked. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so interested by that. That's why I wanted to ask that question. And if I think about what you just said about corsets Mm -hmm. and, you know, holding our stomach in, that makes sense in terms of those like intestinal patterns that show up and, Mm -hmm. Um, something that we talk about a lot in um, at our office space we hold um, women's circles and we we talk a lot about this type of stuff and what we've inherited um, you know through generations and um, I don't know if you heard of the rat cherry blossom study but it's a really cool way to understand um, epigenetics and how um, the fear response can be passed down through generations. They um, had rats smell cherry blossoms and then shocked them after they smelt the cherry blossoms. And what they found was that that fear response that was created through the smelling the cherry blossoms and the shocking was actually passed down when they bred the rats into the children without the children ever experiencing that. Um, so it's a really great example of you know how those experiences you know no one really wears corsets anymore but if we look back at the way that we squeezed tight into those things and um you know all of those other behavioral patterns that we had that for sure has been passed down and is held in our bodies as women and it makes so much sense it does it does and and i think a lot of people don't know about this passing down of generational trauma you know unless you've seen a trauma therapist maybe you've heard about it or even like yeah well i don't know there's no no way but i think our fossil i mean what we're made of right our dna what what goes into the creation of us i mean if we go back to embryology and we go back to how do we create tissue 
it's very fascinating as to how what's on the outside is a reflection of what's on the inside because we form as like a tube. So, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. it's, I, I don't know. I, I really think that we do have these huge connections that should be explored. Now, when you're on the table with someone and you're working with someone, I mean, obviously you have an intake, like you said, beforehand. So you know a lot of what's going on. Then you're working with them on the table and you're getting into things there. Let's talk a little bit about emotional releases and things of that nature, because I think a lot of people are like, oh God, I don't want to cry in front of anybody. I don't want to have like a negative experience. I don't want to feel the feels. And that's where we need to kind of, let's put it this way, address it ahead of time. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe you speak on that. Yeah, I think that goes back to, you know, what I mentioned about creating safety before they're even Mm -hmm. on the table. So um, one of the things I say to my clients is um, this, this is a completely safe space and supported space and I'd I'd really love to invite you if it feels right to welcome in those emotions and welcome in those feelings and bring them a little bit closer and sometimes that can mean bodily functions or sometimes that can mean um reactions emotional reactions like laughter or tears or um tremoring or you know those types of things and it's it's not very common that they happen um But if they do need to happen, you know, creating an invitation for that and what, what will be, will be. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's just being open, you know, being open-minded when you go in. And this is one of the things that I encourage everybody that's listening right now. If you're, if you're like thinking, well, maybe this could be really helpful, but I'm super nervous about What's going to happen? What what might, you know, I be triggered into? So maybe we should think about contraindications or something, you know, even before coming in to meet with you. What are some of the contraindications that you tell folks about mm. this? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think something I look for for sure Um in terms of people desiring to get a lot out of the sessions is um, what does your life look like outside of the sessions? You know, are you, do you have Mm -hmm. a relatively stable life in terms of like your job or your home environment or that type of thing? Do you have someone that maybe you could in your life that maybe you could talk to about your experience if it comes up um, Mm -hmm. outside of me? that is safe and can meet in that conversation. Cause I think, um, you know, and when I talk about this, it's, I'm not saying that this type of thing happens in every session. That's not, right. that's not right. necessarily it. It, we want to be open to if it needs to happen, you know, mm-hmm. making space for that. Um, but even with, you know, if, if we don't have a deep, profound experience, mm-hmm. um, it's still good to be able to integrate those things with people in your life. And when I say integrate, what I mean is um, taking that experience and pulling parts of it into your daily life. Because otherwise you just come to see me every two weeks and it's just an experience and then you go back mm-hmm. to, you know, whatever you're going back to. So um how can I integrate this? Maybe my integration is I'm going to start doing two or three minutes of breathing in the morning. Cause I notice that I, I never breathe. And whenever I am on the table with Hannah, she's always reminding me to breathe. <laughs> so that's going to be my integration or um, I'm going to go out for a walk and just like give myself that space without my phone to reflect a bit more on what's got me feeling stressed out or reflect on my day or um, do some gratitude and, and things like that. So that integration is is super key as well, which is something that I, um, you know, in like consent, the consent conversation at the beginning, I talk to clients a lot about that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's important that like you mentioned that yes, something may come up or it might not, but the most important thing is I think the work outside of what you've started. 
like you said. And this is why I love creating programs around things of this nature, you know, because now we have the the mind, body, spirit part. And this is what's killing me right now of not being able and why I still go back to Tacoma is because I'm, you know, I want to keep that going. So in between, I've got, you know, folks working on their, their integrations. But I think the other part of it is how you're translating it or, or mixing it with with movement and fitness. So tell us a little bit about how you're you're melding the two practices together for folks to get the most out of of what you're doing. Yeah, it's it's kind of goes back to the mobility stability lens, right? Um we don't want to create so much space so much mobility, so much fluidity that we lose stability in the body. And that's why um, I have the two kind of integrated for people um, that it works for. Um, If people have, you know, no background on resistance training or how to learn how to contract their core and their glutes and that type of thing, um, very often having a program to go along with your sessions can be really supportive. So, um, you know, if we're working on opening up the front body, are we also working on strengthening the back body and the posterior train to be able to hold you upright, to be able to open up your front body? So all of those things um, really go well together. And um, what it looks like for me is um, typically I'll do two sessions a month, two fascial work sessions a month. And then um, I'll have the client do either an at home or in the gym program that I've um, created specifically for them based on what I've seen in our sessions. And um, doing the two sessions a month can be a really great way to check in Mm -hmm. on, you know, sometimes the hardest thing with doing a workout plan is to, be accountable to it um a workout plan you know with an in an online space or on your own so um that accountability piece is really good too and even if people are um you know not in my area um I still you know can make that work in terms of um doing specific mobility sessions on zoom that where we're opening up the fascia or doing breath work or that type of thing in conjunction with a program so um yeah, they work really well together and one can exist without the other. So no, I feel I feel like it's true. We need more balance of things, the strength and the mobility, the fluidity. Mm-hmm. But as we get older, I feel like things just start to collect. And this is where it really kind of we should be doing it when we're younger, but as we get older, then you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh crap, things are mm-hmm. collecting now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that I think is almost necessary when you get older. But I even would encourage anyone who's younger in their 30s that's listening to this. You know, mm. I'm I'm 40 plus, but I think a lot of the 30 year olds, it's time to start thinking about it because mm-hmm. by the time you get older and more locked up, I mean, one of the biggest things that I I wanted to mention before we we close off today is like, yes, I talked about the stomach, but I talked about my shoulder and shoulders for women mm. are a huge area that can be prone to frozen shoulder. And this is one of the things, why do frozen shoulders attack women? Yes, we drop in our estrogen levels and estradiol in particular, and that's common. But what is the other reason? I think it has to do with the holding and mm-hmm. and the same components we were talking about today. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some frozen shoulders Yeah, I have seen some frozen shoulders and um, I have seen them. If I reflect right now, it's typically women over 40 Mm -hmm. um, and it's typically women that don't know how to slow down. And I say that with, you know, all of the love in my heart for those women. Um, But typically women that are higher, higher stress, very high stress, having issues Mm -hmm. with sleep, um, having issues with slowing down, um, typically, you know, now that I'm really reflecting, it's also very like successful women in the business space too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yep. The body's going to like give you all the signals to slow down. And then finally it's like, all right, I'm going to make you not be able to move your arm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is, yeah, this is what I'm worried about with this thing here. Um, because I'm like, if it, it gets, you know, worse than I got, you know, that's what I'm like wondering if that's, what's going to go to. So I'm like, okay, shoulder folks, my, I'm going to be, I'm going to lead by example and get to working on this thing. So I don't have Mm -hmm. a frozen Mm -hmm. shoulder. But it's a thing. Yeah. It is a thing. So Hannah, let's tell folks about if they're like thinking, okay, I want to try to find somebody to help me out with some some fascia work. I'm not really sure how to dive in. I'm not really sure how to find someone. Tell us where they can find you, but also if they're not in Calgary, where could they find someone and and how, like, what's the best, like, mode of finding someone that's going to suit you? Yeah, so if you're in the Calgary or surrounding area, I have, you know, I have clients that travel to come see me as well when they're, um, they stop in on their journeys. But um, if you're in Calgary, you can just find me through here at lift with Hannah is my Instagram handle. Um, and you can book with me that way. Um, whether it's just for a singular session or if it's for a hybrid program, like we talked about my strength, strength and stretch and strengthen program, um, is where we do the two sessions of fascial work a month plus a, a program, um, a movement program. If you are outside of Calgary and you're looking for a fascial stretch therapist, you can actually go to the stretch to win, website stretch to win.com um, and they have a directory on there so in the directory you can look up your area um, whether it's in the states or in Canada you can look up your area um, and see take a look take a browse at the profiles <laughs> and see who feels right for you um, and if you are unable to find anyone in your area I do work with people um, on zoom um, specifically with um you know fascial focused stretching um on your own so you can always reach out to me in regards to that as well as breath work so awesome awesome and of course as we mentioned earlier we want to have folks making sure they feel comfortable good space good environment welcoming environment i i tend to look at the environment as being one that i want that's peaceful some of the stuff within gyms, having worked within a gym myself, the music just too much. I, it was like dance party and I couldn't focus to work on folks really well. And so, you know, I guess everyone's got to know their own their own boundaries and in, in what and what calms them, I guess, as a whole. So definitely, I'm sure you would agree with me, making sure that the space that you're in feels calming and, and welcoming. Yeah, that's such a great point. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um it's really what you're looking for, for sure. So yeah, making sure that that environment matches the, what your intention is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Hannah, thanks again for chatting with me. I hope folks got a lot out of this one as well. Hannah will be on for more. We're going to go through all kinds of other things as time goes on. So thanks again for coming on and guys go to liftwithhannah.com. You can find her on Instagram, also liftwithhannah and, uh, We'll have everything in the show notes at drjcrossnd.com. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, fellow health junkie. Thanks for listening to the Health Fix podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in, please help support me to get the word out about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, and just get that word out. Thanks again for listening.